Good evening. Welcome to part 18. This is why we have the Psalms. So glad you could join us. And whether you're listening by podcast or watching on Facebook Live, uh, we're just delighted that you're taking this journey with us. And so it is an unusual season. And actually, this is why we have the Psalms for times like these. And tonight's Psalm, I think, is going to be really encouraging to you. I think that it's going to uh, just lift you up. And I think it's going to give you some hope. And so uh, I'm going to jump right into it. Tonight I'm going to be reading from the message um, version. So if you want to look that up later on, you'll know that's where it's coming from. And I uh, also want to invite, I almost forgot, invite all of our friends on Facebook to leave us a comment and be sure to share out uh, share out this as well with all of your friends. And that'll be a, a good thing to do. Part 18, Psalm 24. God claims earth and everything in it. God claims world and all who live on it. He built it on ocean foundations, laid it out on river girders. I love the language of Eugene Peterson here in the message. It's so good. And so we'll go down to verse uh, 3. Who can climb Mount God? Who can scale the holy north face? Only the clean-handed, only the pure-hearted, men who won't cheat, women who won't seduce. Verse 5, it says, God is at their side. With God's help, they make it. This Jacob, talking about the people of Israel, is what happens to God-seekers, God-questers. Wake up, you sleepy-head city. Wake up, you sleepy-head people. King Glory is ready to enter. Who is this King Glory? God, armed and battle ready. Wake up, you sleepyhead city. Wake up, you sleepyhead people. King glory is ready to enter. Who is King glory? God of the angel armies. He is King glory. So I see more and more people jumping on here on the Facebook uh, feed. So we'll just give a shout out to a few of them here. Christine and Brian and Michelle and uh, Walt and Kayla and... Elsie, and it's so good to see you and all of the others who are also watching. Uh, feel free to drop a comment and hit the share button, if you will. And there is Sheena, and Elsie says, loving the hair. Well, I'll just tell you for all of our podcast listeners, uh, it just means I need a haircut. <laughs> and so uh, it looks like the Irvines are asking which psalm. So it's Psalm 24. And uh, we're going to go back through it. Uh, Again, I'm reading from the message version. I'm going to unpack it line by line here. Uh, So verses 1 through 2 of Psalm 24. Listen again. God claims earth and everything in it. God claims world and all who live on it. He built it on ocean foundations, laid it out on river girders. So here are a couple of thoughts as I read this and reflected on it uh, earlier. So the whole world belongs to God. And all that is uh, in the earth, all of the people in the earth, they all belong to God. And why do they belong to God? Well, God created them. It's a simple answer, but it's important to remember that God owns the whole thing because God created the whole thing. God owns the firm that you work for. God owns the backyard behind your house. God owns it all, according to this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I know if you're like me, 
you often forget and you think that you're the owner. You stress out like you're the owner. Really, you're the steward. The steward is just the person who lovingly tends for, rather tends and cares for the property of another person or the estate or the possessions of another person. That's what a steward does. So God is the owner and we are the stewards. Uh, it mentions oceans. Uh, he built it on ocean foundations and laid it out on river girders. I think that's a callback to uh, the Genesis story where the spirit hovers over the chaotic deep. Water is often, uh, water can also represent spirit, but water in scripture also represents uh, just chaos. And so God brought order out of chaos. God built creation on the waters, as it were. And, you know, don't get overly scientific about the whole thing. What, what the ancient mind is trying to tell you here is uh, God took the flow, the chaos, the, uh, the disorder, and God built something solid on it. So the God who owns everything has built something solid on it, and it's built to last. And so, uh, so that's an encouraging thought, I think, uh, because on days like these, you wonder, like, who's in charge here? Well, God owns it all at the end of the day, and uh, God will... Uh, act in God's own way and in God's own timing, and often through us. I was thinking um, about chaos and order, and there's uh, a teacher who talks about the movement from order to disorder to reorder. And uh, I didn't have this in my notes, but I think it's appropriate to just unpack this for just a second. What we often see is in reaction to chaos, we'll see new order, right? And then that order creates new uh, disruption. So any system that you create in your business, you usually create a system in order to solve a problem. Well, what happens whenever that system gets created, that new process, that new procedure, what happens? Well, usually it comes with a lot of paperwork and it has some forms. And what does it do? It just creates new problems, but it solved old problems. So there's, there's never going to be a moment where everything is just perfect. Everything's just static. It's constant ebb and flow. And there's one teacher I've been listening to, and he talks about the movement uh, that that happens throughout time, throughout cultures, and it's one of order to disorder to reorder. And so what you have to do is whenever you find that things are being disordered, you have to look for the reorder on the other side of the disorder. And ultimately, that will become a new order. Does that make sense? So there's an order, then there's a disorder or an eruption, a shaking, And on the other side of that, there is a reorder. And the reorder often carries the best of the old and pushes it into a new environment and it changes in that new environment. So I'm I'm more excited than ever, frankly, about uh, the church and where the church is going. Not just our church, I'm talking Big C Church, the body of Christ, because we had an order and then we're experiencing some disorder. And on the other side of that, I think that there will be a reorder. And I think that's true in your own life. I think it's true in your parenting. You know, just when you get things just like you want it, as though that ever happens, but something happens, it shakes it up. Well, you're going to look for the reorder on the other side of that. You're going to partner with God to bring that about. We're not going back to the best of the past. We're looking for the reorder on the other side of the disorder. Uh, So I hope that that sticks with you and you think about that as you're going about your work, uh, as we move back into school. Uh, as we, uh, you know, explore new forms of being the body of Christ all across the globe. Uh, We're not going back. We are looking ahead to the new order that God is inviting us into. 
Not the New World Order. Not talking about that, right? Uh, so here we go. Let's keep going here. Um, all right. We can ask ourselves this question. In what ways am I contributing to the chaos? Is there any way in my life that I'm contributing to chaos? Is my social media habit, uh, the way I'm interacting on social media, is that bringing chaos or is that bringing a, a reorder? Is it stirring up negative emotions or am I working toward uh, bringing about some stability and some hope? So one thing that I want to ask myself is in what ways am I contributing to the chaos and also, in what ways am I living as if the world belongs to me? In what ways am I living as if the world belongs to me? As if I'm the owner? As if the world exists for me? You know, I was talking to a friend the other day, and he said that the Lord really challenged him not too long ago and said to him, you're so focused on building your own kingdom. When are you going to build my kingdom? And when he said it, it just hit me right in the heart because we're all, we're all guilty of that. We're so busy building our own kingdom. Why don't we focus on building God's kingdom? God owns it all. And when we partner with God, you know, ultimately all the stress and the burden is on God. And when we're partnering with God, that, that presents to us that easy yoke that Jesus was talking about. Never, you know, never carrying the yoke on our own. That, that he invites us into this easy yoke. We're yoked up with him like, like a pair of oxen and we're plowing together invited to uh, go God's way together. One time I was uh, at this farm up in uh, Connecticut, and this uh, Jewish brother said to me as I was asking him for some garden tips, you know, we were, I forget what it was, we were like harvesting peas or something, and he said, uh, I said, how, you know, how can I do this in my backyard, or how can I do that in my backyard? And he said, your backyard? I said, well, yeah, like my backyard. He said, he said, you mean God's backyard. And at first it was a little bit of an eye roll. But you know what he was doing to me? He was trying to remind me that the earth belongs to the Lord. And granted, if somebody came trespassing, you know, or built, you know, built a shed in my backyard, I'd be like, get your shed off my backyard. You know, this is my lawn. Get off my lawn. It's one of the things I love about America. We're not afraid to say, get off my lawn. But what he was trying to do to me is remind me, even your backyard is the Lord's. Even your dog is the Lord's. Even your job belongs to the Lord, and you get to partner with God. So if you're feeling the weight of the world, if you're feeling like the whole thing's going to come crashing down, here's the good news. It's not your problem. It's God's problem. And God might shake some things up, but ultimately, the people of God are meant to trust God, not to try and control things in their own power, but to do what God calls them to do. This is God's earth. This is God's church. And so God will get the victory as we see toward the end of the story. Um, all right, let's go to verses three and four. So who can climb Mount God, as Eugene calls it? Who can climb Mount God? Who can scale the holy north face? <laughs> only the clean-handed, only the pure-hearted. Men who won't cheat, women who won't seduce. So Mount God, thats he's talking about the temple on uh, Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Symbolic of God's earthly dwelling place. Well, we know that the whole earth is the Lord's, but this is like the, it's like the focus of God's presence in, in the ancient world. So God is so holy that only the holy can enter. And who are the holy? They're the ones with clean hands and pure hearts. 
And you could think, well, he's talking about ritual purity, and maybe he is, but it probably goes beyond that. That those with clean hands and pure hearts aren't all of the people who just keep all the rules on the outside. There are people whose deepest desire is to trust God, people of pure hearts, and then to love their neighbor, people of clean hands. So it's an inside and outside relationship. It's a trusting of God and a loving of neighbor. But who of us could really say, I have clean hands and a pure heart? Not me. So does that mean I can't approach the Lord because it's like, you know, it's a prohibition or like these are the criteria? Well, what if having clean hands and a pure heart is more so about invitation than it is about all of the criteria that we have to meet in order to please God? What if God's saying to us, you know, I actually don't expect you to have it all together perfect. I just want you to have a purity of heart toward me. I just want you to love your neighbor and come after me. This is the type of people that I want. I'm inviting you. I'm offering you a weekend getaway up Mount God. Come on up Mount God. Scale the holy north face. Come meet with me in the morning over coffee. So who can ascend the mountain of God? Well, not the perfect people. We, don't have, we have Christ's righteousness. Come on up the mountain, God says. Those with clean hands and a pure heart, come on up the mountain. The God-trusters, the neighbor-lovers. So verses 5 through 6. God is at their side. With God's help, they make it. This, Jacob, Israel, is what happens to God-seekers, God-questers. Well, what happens to them? God's at their side. With God's help, they make it. God blesses those who trust Him, those who seek Him. So maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe things are a little tight right now. Maybe you're concerned about school. Maybe you're like just any other human being. You have a lot going on right now. This is an invitation to to climb the holy north face, to say, God, I'm giving you the best I've got of my heart. And I want to love my family, my friends, my neighbors. I want to have a clean hand and pure heart. And you know what God does in times like that? I think that God looks, according to the scripture, at those people And God desires to bless them, just like any loving parent. So, let a little bit of the air out of the balloon. You ought to lay your head on your pillow tonight and and just say, God, thank you for letting me sleep in your bed. Thank you for letting me live in your house. Thank you for letting me drive in your car. Thank you for letting me watch this live stream on your computer. You see, the American dream is like this invitation to amass so much. I think what God wants us to do is just not let the stuff that we have have us. Don't let the stuff that you have have you. Just continually surrender it to the Lord. Well, what if God asks me for it? What if God asks me to give it away to somebody? Well, then you'll do that. And you know what will happen? Is God will give you what you need when you need it. Because what we see in Scripture is whenever you cling to the things that God has given you, you're like, this is mine. Well, that's the type of thing that, metaphorically speaking, God asks you to lay that thing on the altar. That's the Abraham and the Isaac moment. Well, listen, no, we're not into the child sacrifice, obviously. And God didn't want Abraham to kill his son. What God wanted Abraham to do was surrender his son. And so what's your Isaac? What's the thing that, that you own? And God's like, actually, that's, he's my son, Abraham. I mean, you're raising him, but he's, he's, I'll, I'll give you a son, but he's ultimately my son. Your children are God's children. Your whole life belongs to God. 
So verse 7, wake up, you sleepyhead city. Wake up, you sleepyhead people. King Glory is ready to enter. Who is King Glory? God, armed and battle ready. Wake up, you sleepyhead city. Wake up, you sleepyhead people. King Glory is ready to enter. Who is King Glory? God of the angel armies. He is King Glory. In other words, God's packing, and he has got a serious army at his side. <laughs> you know, we, we, I often talk about the tenderness of God, the loving kindness of God. I talk about all of that. And at the same point in time, like God is armed to the teeth in the spiritual realm. Like God, God could God could break the whole world with with less than a thought. It wouldn't even require effort. Like what is effort when it comes to God? Anyhow, God of the angel armies, the Lord of hosts. Well, that it it on one hand hosts were the armies, right? So God of 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 hosts, Lord of hosts, God of angel armies. Like God has an army of angels, and God can accomplish His will. And some people might be watching this, going, "Well, prove it." I. You know, that's for you. You you prove that it's not real. And I'll just trust that it is and that God's acting on my behalf. So I'm going to trust that there are angels working on my behalf. And you could believe that I'm full of crap. And that's fine, too. And uh, I'll have a better life believing that God is acting on my behalf. Uh, and it, I'll have a better life than I would have for me than if I thought that God doesn't love me and doesn't want to act on my behalf. You believe what you need to believe. I could be full of crap, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to test God. And so God of the angel armies, God's packing. I don't think God's out to kill anybody, but I'll just tell you this. God has disrupted some stuff throughout the scripture. And I don't think God's walking around looking, you know, looking for a fight. And at the same point in time, I think that God will do what God wants to do in any country. That God... God can God can uproot, raise up leaders, and God could uproot them. God can raise people up, and God can tear people down. And so we need not forget that uh, this God is uh, is that that the Lamb of God is also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And in due season, in due time, God will act in the earth. God will do what God wants to do. In the meantime, we're partnering with God. And so let's just talk about salvation for just a second. Uh, because salvation isn't just a ticket to heaven. Salvation is an invitation to see heaven come to earth through your life. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. Salvation is an invitation to see heaven come to earth through your life. So are you partnering with God of angel armies? Well, when you realize that God owns it all, and that those with clean hands and a pure heart can meet with the Lord. You'll get in on God's plans. God's, God has plenty of secrets to tell his friends. And I think for people of God that with their ear to the Spirit right now, that, that God will lead you. You'll have a sense. You'll have a yearning. Of course, check it with the biblical counsel. Check it with spiritual leadership. But God wants to guide us. God wants to move with us. But don't get discouraged in times like these when media just wants you to think that the whole thing's coming off the rails. You know, uh, the media didn't build the world, and the media is not going to sustain the world, and it might create a lot of confusion. And there's some good media. I have some friends who are journalists, and um, I have some friends who are good journalists. I have some friends that are full of crap that are journalists. Um, And so some people just spend something for a paycheck, and some people are actually really good journalists that I know. And like anything else, like being a pastor, you have good pastors, and you have pastors that aren't that great. Churches that are great, and churches that aren't that great. But I think that God is the one that we need to look to, not the headlines. Not the headlines. Listen, the next time you want to share a Facebook post about why the world's coming to an end and a conspiracy theory about this, you'll never call it a conspiracy theory because it'll never look like a conspiracy theory to you. 
But before you share it out, pray it out. And God, is this what you want me to put out in the world right now? Or do you want me just to pray for... You want me to just pray for 10 minutes before I post this and see if this is what you want me to do? Instead of sharing this, God, do you want me to pick up the phone and call a couple people and just encourage them? And what you might find is you're just alone and a little bit impulsive and that it wasn't that important to say that after all. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll type an email and I'll just click the X button in Gmail and it'll save it as a draft. Then I'll come back to it later on. I'll be like, "Mm, yeah, that doesn't need to be sent after all. So it's just an invitation to remember. Remember that God owns it all and that you, you you don't have to stress about this whole thing. So have we fallen asleep, final thoughts, have we fallen asleep to the reality that God owns it all? If we truly believe God owns it all, this, then this impacts every decision we make. If we think that God owns it all, it impacts our political decisions, our ecological decisions for the earth. It impacts our um, personal decisions, our education decisions, our religious decisions, if God owns it all. That's the thought. Just meditate on that. Next time you're stressed, God owns it all. Next time you feel the need to just just go, 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 God owns it all. God owns it all. It's God's world, God's country, God's church, God's house, God's backyard, God's computer, God's kids. He's letting you have the experience of joyfully stewarding them. And in all these things, remember, God owns it all. So, here we are. Thank you all for chiming in. And uh, so encouraged to see so many thoughts. One person says, God, thank you for letting me raise your children. Another says, surrender it all because it all belongs to him anyway. Another says, checking the treasures in our heart. We need to check that out. Are we serving God or mammon? So good. There's uh, Michelle. Can you put that on a bulletin somewhere where everyone can read that? Wait before you post. I know I need that reminder. I need that reminder. So uh, here's an invitation. Take a day off from social media tomorrow. Unless it's your job, but it's probably not. Of all the people listening, it might be one person's job, right? Take a day off from social media tomorrow. You're like, what if something happens? God owns it all. Somebody will call you anyhow. Much love to you, my friends. So much grace. So much peace. Lay your heads on God's pillow tonight. And... uh, Get some sleep. Amen. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.